0: This episode of Hook Up Horror Stories is brought to you by Foria Wellness. At Foria Wellness, pleasure is your nature. Foria Wellness is passionate about innovation in the sexual wellness realm. They offer tons of products made from plant-based ingredients specifically designed to enhance your sexual pleasure. From increased arousal and pleasure to aiding sexual and menstrual comfort, Foria's large selection of wellness products solve real challenges and deliver meaningful results. They are also innovative leaders, having invented the first ever cannabis and hemp-based personal lubricants and CBD suppositories, which help address menstrual and pelvic discomfort. I absolutely love the CBD Booty Melts to help aid and comfort during spicy times with my partner. They also help with keeping things nice and lubricated. Try Fourier Wellness products and get 20% off your entire order using code DIMITRI at checkout. That's code DIMITRI, D-E-M-I-T-R-I, for 20% off your entire order. Thank you, 4 Wellness, for sponsoring this week's episode. Welcome to Hookup Horror Stories. This podcast may not be suitable for listeners under the age of 18. And may contain themes of sexuality, sexual assault, domestic violence, or other mental health issues. A content warning is in place viewer discretion is advised
1: <laughs> again this was still fairly early on in the internet and whatever and i've been talking to this guy and we've been you know whatever else and we were like really into each other and i was like okay awesome and uh, he lived in denver at the time and so i i don't know why but i got on a plane and i went to denver
0: oh no <laughs> that's <just perfect. laughs> Why do you <laughs> people do this? Why do people think it's okay to like go like hop on a plane for some I'm dick? Oh my God. Movie. No. <laughs> but the sliding up pussy is a homicide. It's a homicide. Welcome to Hook of Horror Stories, the podcast where we spill the tea on sex and dating. I'm Demi Wilde, your resident sexual deviant. Today, I've got a very extra special guest deviant for you. I have author, real estate agent, and shamanic practitioner, Dale Allen Rouse. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I'm super excited to be here. Um, we've got a lot to get to today. Um, I'm just now being introduced to a lot of your work, but for my listeners, can you please introduce yourself to them?
1: Sure. So a quick overview is I had a really big uh, theater performance background for the better part of 20 years. And when I stopped doing that, the last job I did was working for Celine Dion and uh, her Vegas show. And we did that and we launched all that. But that really launched me into a new world of creation. Uh, I left that show and went into real estate. I had a big, really big real estate career for the better part of 20 years because after, you know, dancing for a living, I was kind of You know, tired of being poor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Starving artist really is is a thing.
1: (laughs) So I got my real estate license, and and that was really interesting because in the creation of Celine's, like, because we were with like creating the show for nine months with Franco Dragone in his theaters um, and rehearsal halls and everything that he had in Belgium. Like, he moved all of us from you know North America mostly. Um, over to Belgium, where we lived. But it was having access to, like, a creator like that, because he's the genius behind most of the Cirque du Soleil shows on the Vegas Strip. Wow. So be one of his pawns, right, and and to watch how he would, like, language show, how he would intellectually, like, break it down. And he was, of course, just by working on us as his pawns, he was exposing to us his process, Right, Mm -hmm. and so through that nine months of just going through this, like my imagination by the end was just like whirling, and so I had that part of my life that was going off because I've always been extremely like spiritual. That's just always been kind of I felt like my calling, which is why my really abusive Christian upbringing was so painful to me, right? Because it didn't make any sense. Anyhow, yeah. So (sighs) I flash forward to that, and I left performing, and I was having this real estate career but it was in the real estate career, funny enough, that I found spirituality. That is not a place that you expect to find like how to manifest things. But let me tell you, those real estate guys will do anything to get ahead, anything. Oh my God. And they're having conversations about manifestation of their own lives. Like maybe it's not necessarily from a place that's totally like benevolent. (laughs)
0: Sure. (laughs) Self-serving probably. (laughs) It's it's very
1: self-serving, right? But at the end of the day, like they're actually doing the work. And the further that I got into studying spirituality and manifesting, the more I understood that you have to be actually pretty selfish because spirituality for me will always be a journey for one right? Mm-hmm. It's my journey. What am I doing? What am I thinking? How am I feeling? How am I vibing? What am I affecting this room with, or is this room affecting me, right? So it was there in the business world that I really kind of discovered manifesting as a spiritual principle, right? Because the, right. the, the spiritual principles through Christianity that I've been introduced to were very punitive, but there was this other branch of kind of spirituality through the whole You know, Eckhart Tolle, you know, vibe and everything. secret. Yeah, I mean, we were were doing all that, right? And, uh, but it really piqued my interest. And so I kind of started chasing that more and more up until I got sick. When I got sick, I was extremely successful. I was doing the real estate deal, I was training 450 agents, I was the top of that whole like real estate, like brokerage firm, I was like, I was running the place, right? Mm -hmm. And I was sick, and I was unhealthy, and I was miserable. I don't know if you've ever been in a real estate transaction, but it is terrible.
0: (laughs) right? There's so much that goes into it. Like I I watched Selling Sunset and I was talking about falling out of escrow and it's like the worst thing that happened to him.
1: Right. Yeah. It's so stressful. Right. But that was my life 24 seven that I was just gobbling up was just stress, 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 stress through real estate transactions. But I was willing to do the deal to make money because that's what I thought we were supposed to be doing in order to, you know, live a successful life and be a good person. Anyhow, so I got sick best thing that ever happened to me. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I came down uh, with, uh, it's a condition similar to MS and Parkinson's. There's three big movement disorders that are Parkinson's, MS, and dystonia. Mm. Dystonia is the one that I had, but I didn't know that um, dystonia is the only one out of those three that won't kill you, right? And so when I got sick, I totally thought, oh, This is how I go out. This is the end. This is, I can see, the event horizon of my life. Again, best thing that ever happened to me, right? Because it really makes you take stock in what are you doing with your life? Why are you here? You know, like your previous um, podcast guest was talking about after he survived cancer, you know, that he had things and that he wanted to do and he was disappointed in life. If this was all that was he had, it would be a big disappointment. And I came to that same conclusion, like, really, this is it. This is what this is what I'm doing. And while I've had a really big life and a really successful life, I wasn't doing the things that were on my bucket list. Mm-hmm. I was doing all the things that were on society's bucket list and it was getting through that that helped me realize that part of the anger that I was living with every single day was the fact that ever since I was little you know when everyone they're asking hey kids what do you want to do and they're like I want to be a veterinarian I want to be a you know a firefighter or I want to be a policeman or whatever Mm -hmm. Little Dale, little me, you know, in my 12-year-old hand, I'm like, I want to be a porn star. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I knew that. And I knew that. And I was so angry my entire life that I was born into a society that doesn't support that as a decision. Right. Right. And I had just so much anger around that. And after I got sick, and then I was like, okay, no, really, like, what's on my list? I don't care about society's list anymore. And I thank God that I've lived long enough to experience this, right? To find, you know, my list, what's important to me, what makes my soul sing, right? And and that really began like this hyper focused awareness of this spiritual journey for one, and that's when I really started discovering shamanism and studying energy work and like doing all this other that led to me writing a whole bunch of books on shamanism and stuff. And anyways, it's been uh, it's been a wild, 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 wild life. Like I I've had the most amazing journey, and it's because I've always been I felt feel like motivated to go and do me go and do my life, go and do my decisions, go and do my bucket list for me, even though it doesn't make any sense to anybody else. And I left ballet and trust me, I mean, when they found out I was doing porn, uh, like after that, that was a big disappointment for a lot of my friends and colleagues. They saw that as me falling off a cliff into desperation, whereas For me, the truth of it was, out of all the performing I did, out of every single ballet company that I was with, out of every single like Celine, you know, Broadway show, out of all the Broadway stuff I did, like, porn was the healthiest performing environment that I had been in it wasn't ballet where you have some old Russian, you know, lady pulling a hat pin out of her hair and putting it under your leg, trying to get you to like lift it higher, higher, higher. That's fucking abuse. Sorry.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, please (laughs) let that fly. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay.
1: Because, you know, that was the environment that I was raised in, in all of my theater training, right? Um, Having choreographers throw, you know, VHS tapes at your head, you know, like that kind of level of God. Yeah in the theater, and it's ultimately why I left performing because and don't get me started on a special one choreographer for Celine show, who actually was the last straw. The last straw of abuse that I was just not going to take, right? Because here I was, I was already working in real estate because we had our days free and we'd go into the theater at night, right? And so I was, I got my real estate license and I'm doing real estate during the day, and then you know four thirty five o'clock rolls around and I'm heading to the theater, and they call us in, they're like, okay kids, come on, kids, come on to the theater, come on up here, come on, we're getting ready to get, it. I'm like, who? do you think you're talking to you know I'm 35 at this point I'm like older than most of the people on the stage right and it just was an environment that through and through Failed to see my humanity. Failed to meet me where I was. Failed to ask me who I was. You know, it was just, oh, this is the choreography. Do it and do the, the best of your ability. And oh, by the way, shut up. Don't have an opinion about it. You know, like that. That was most of my theater. So when I when I got into porn, and you know, you truly were encouraged and to express yourself as you were and you know they were so loving and caring now mind you Celine was as well she was she was wonderful to work with i love her she was super kind to us she facilitated um at least one dinner a week for us as a cast so we could all like you know be together and, and
0: experience that anyhow i've only heard good things about her
1: yeah. And you you probably only ever will. It, it's funny, though, her and I share the same neurological movement disorder. I was diagnosed with it in 2014. And then she just came down with it a few years ago. She refers to it as stiff person syndrome, which is the kind of layman's term for generalized dystonia. Yeah, right? So, anyways, it's weird. It's weird that she's the only other person in the world that I know who has it. And I'm like, cause we moved into that theater when it was still off gassing, who knows what? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's just it's 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 beyond strange that her and I are like have both have it. Anyhow doesn't matter um so you know that was that was my entree into discovering myself as a porn star and this was back be way before you know OnlyFans. it was not cool <laughs> it yeah <was> yeah <laughs> accepted. this was this was you know like jumping off a cliff but again i was motivated by the experience of what is written on my soul what is it that i'm here on this
0: planet to do and that's what i went and did that's amazing so let's let's jump backwards a little bit here yeah. um so real estate <laughs> you 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 kind of changed from you know doing the, the whole broadway the whole like las vegas show well number one let me ask you this yeah. i'm gonna be in las vegas in two weeks if i have to choose a cirque du soleil show which one do you think it would be the one that's currently running or there's several that's currently running
1: yeah, you know, if you haven't seen any Mystere is just really uh it's a it's a great show. Even though it's been running forever, it's really, really good. Um, you know, O, of course, is awesome. Um, and then, you know, it's been so long since I've been there. I'm not even sure what's running anymore, but I, I'm sure they all ca is amazing, but don't start yes. with Ka You'll 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 have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> start with one of the old chets <laughs> one of the ones that were around forever. One of the tried and truths. Yeah. They're all good. They're all great. I mean, they're really a lot of fun.
0: Okay. So yeah, you have, <laughs> you, you have a very uh, storied history and I I love that about you. It's very, it's very interesting, wide ranging. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your neurological illness, dystonia. Yeah. When yeah. you found this out, cause like when I found out that I had HIV, that was kind of like my setting off moment for like what I wanted to do with my life. It was like, what's what's going on what do I need to accomplish? How do I get better, first of all? And, um, you know, it, it was kind of like you see, like you said, you see like the, the the final, you see like, you see the end basically. It's like, okay, well, what do I need to do before I get there? Um, what did you do? Like, like, how did you kind of approach this, you know, from this and then how did you get better from it after,
1: actually? Yeah. You know what? It's, it's a, I mean, gosh, it was such a journey. I, I really, I, I collapsed for a while. I, I really uh, didn't take it well. I really um like internally imploded. I really stopped functioning. I you're just
0: performer. Like, like that's like your whole thing is movement is. Yeah, energy. yeah
1: exactly. Yeah. And uh, it, you know, I, I just felt like I, because it's progressive, right. And there is no cure um, and the kind of that I have is beyond treatment because if you have like dystonia is in the world of ticks, and whereas a tick is normally fast and percussive, um, dystonia is slow and cramping, right? And you'll be okay. stuck a pile of rocks sometimes for hours, and you can't unstick yourself and you lose all the fluidity in your muscles. Mm. So that's what it is. So, anyways, when I first when I first discovered it, I was like, Oh, I'm this is how I die. and, and I didn't really know what to do with that and I didn't find the fight to push against that news at first and I I really went down into a dark spiral for for a while like I kind of just I stopped functioning for for a bit and I was just extremely depressed um but you know out of that um turns out you can write a damn good story (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, because I was learning so much and I had to like, excavate all of these feelings that I was having. And the the best way I found was like, okay, why do I have this? And so I started writing my life story, but placing it on a fictional character. And through that process, I was kind of able to address my problems, but from a kind of third-party perspective, right, by placing my problems on a fictional character in a story. Mm-hmm. I was able to work around that and discover the gems that are found there. And that's the thing that really pushed me into my spiritual work it was okay i've been given this thing what am i going to do with it like why and i was determined to write a book where dystonia was going to be my main character superpower and I didn't know what that looked like, but I knew that his saving grace was going to be dystonia. And so let me tell you a little bit more about dystonia. Dystonia happens in two ways. It happens in the physical where your body's cramping and you're like, you know, uh, can to mm. move, you know, but then it also happens neurologically because it is a neurological movement disorder. It's a problem in the brain that affects the body. Right? Mm. So it's a brain condition. I also get what's called neurological storms, which is a type of uh, neurological event that makes all stimuli super um, unbearable. And like light is painful, all stimuli is painful, it becomes scary, like your whole world just becomes scary, like everything around you that's coming at you is um, like, terrifying. terrifying. Um, so anyways, that's a neurological storm. What I gave my main character was access to a different world on the backside of his mind only found through the portal of a dystonic storm.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Fascinating. Right? So I was able to actually give him this access, this portal into like higher learning only found through, because what I experience when I'm having a storm, like it looks really different than it feels, right? It looks like I'm kind of having a seizure or I'm having all, like I'm just not brain available, right? Um, But what it feels like on the inside, oh my gosh. And I think that that's what people are so fascinated about with my books, because whether it's me being raped, or me going through a neurological storm, like I'm all telling it from first person, like this is what it feels like to have this happen to you, Mm -hmm. right? And in doing that, it was like, the greatest gift I'd ever been given because suddenly I'm a writer of things that people are responding to in a really big way because it's written from such a like, you know, actual account of what happens, right? And so whether it's people who are also struggling with other, you know, types of issues, or, you know, they just are needing help or whatever, they're feeling powerless um, because that's where the whole adventure really happens for my main character. I call the books kind of, they live at the intersection of Fight Club and Conversations with God. Right. Both of those books happen in the head, in the mind, right? They're a very heady book. They it's really a psychological kind of thing. And that's where my books live as well, is very much in the mind of the main character who's, you know, reconciling with his past as a sex worker, who is, you know, 30 something and he's feeling like he's past his prime. You know, so there's like all these issues that we deal with, you know, in the gay world or whatever. Right you know that are all wrapped up into this moment in his life he's feeling old his past is shit he's just trying to survive the abuse and you know his his past as a sex worker right and then you look to his future and he's got no future either right because he's got this neurological movement disorder and what do you do with that when your past is crap and your future looks like hell like what do you do You know, and so like that was the journey that I was on to like on earth. Like, why is all this happening? There has to be some kind of reason. There has to be some kind of learning in order for this to be showing up in my life. But the greatest gift out of all of this was me learning how, well, just discovering shamanism in general, right? And just understanding what that is and tapping into what, you know, our indigenous, you know, teachers have for us that if we will just listen will give you access to an entire different way of experiencing yourself. And I am so, 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 so blessed that I found that because it's through that and and I'm really studying energy work and what these indigenous people knew that I have pretty much been able to cure myself. I still have a few ticks here and there, but in in no way, like I used to not be able to work. I, I have a walker still, you know, that I have in our garage. I mean, that's, that was my life. My husband used to have to. Sorry. It's hard to talk about. Um, My husband used to have to um, help dress me, you know, or help feed me or help me go to the bathroom. Like that was my level of care that I was. Yeah. Not, not once did he ever complain or think, or let me, you know, feel like he wanted to be anywhere else, you know? And so it's like, there's, there was just so many gifts that i found through dystonia and you know my relationship being one of them because we're just so close now you know there was many years where i was very dependent upon just on him just being able to function right uh but you know it's through continually chasing this, continually chasing to see what what's my part in it? What levers do I have access to? Right. What what can I do in my own life to affect change in me, my energy, my vibe, my mood? Like, is that me? Is am I re, am I responsible for all those things? Yes, I am. Right? And that's I just kept writing books and writing books. I, I literally barfed out my like when I first started writing my first book, Foreign to Me, which by the way is being turned into a, a mini series. Um, I'm excited about that. Congratulations,
0: I, that's amazing. <laughs>
1: I know it was a really big deal when I got that call. So uh, we'll uh, be looking for that. But right now, they're still writing the script. But when I wrote that book, it was really like uncapping a fountain. Like I just felt like I had so much that I just blocked out or not dealt with or whatever else. And I I, I wrote that book in six weeks. <laughs> I was just like. Oh! just going as fast as i can just typing it was it was insanity and it was through that process that i actually started to uh chase this thing called automatic writing yeah it depends on what you know you where you want to place that but automatic writing is a spiritual practice of like in shamanism we call ourselves like what we try and be is the hollow bone we try and empty ourselves it Yeah, the conduit. We had to try and empty ourselves from ourselves to be the hollow bone to further, you know, information. And, you know, that's where I really started learning that how to channel, how to channel books. And so, you know, now I'm just having the best time because, again, and none of this would have been possible if I hadn't gotten sick. Right. I would never have been challenged in this way to see what those gifts are bringing to me. Right. And to have to unearth all of that, even down to some really old, ugly trauma, you know, from my faith based abuse and conversion therapy crap, you know, that I was just I was dealing with just so much. And then it was COVID on top of it. It's like, oh, great. (laughs) Good God. (laughs) But, you know, for that, I am blessed. For that, I am blessed because, like, all these things, while they brought me to my knees, there was a very real purpose that they were serving. You know, and again, I I think that's why... My books resonate so deeply, like because it's not just it's not just a book you're reading, right? It's not a, just an exploration of the senses. It truly is a journey of the soul. Mm-hmm. My, my books are intended to be kind of a roadmap of spirituality. Like everyone's like, okay, let's evolve. Well how what are the steps specifically and that's what i wanted to really break down in terms of what i've learned through shamanism of evolution of self and so my character goes like hopefully my character's ahas becomes the reader or viewers ahas right because what i'm really trying to do is create a new genre of film and entertainment that really is targeted at helping us evolve spiritually not just be entertained
0: yeah what I find what I find most fascinating I think from just hearing your story is the fact that you have you had this neurological issue that prevented you from moving and that was like your whole thing is movement uh, right. as a performer. Then you were challenged in order to overcome this that artistic part of yourself still needed an outlet. Right. So you dove deeper into like your spirituality you you figured out a way to be creative in a way that didn't require much movement and that's what i think is the most it, it's literally like the um oh god i'm gonna ruin this i i always forget like the really great parts of my 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 spiel whatever <laughs> I, um it's like the um tenacity of the human spirit right, right. that's what it was that was that was, what was in my head that's i love that yeah,
1: you know, I mean, what some people call heroic, others call survival, you know, like you just right. you have to do something with what life has dealt you. However, what I've learned through this work and the point of my books and the, you know, evolution of spirit that I teach in both, you know, my practice as a shamanic practitioner and with clients is that you're in charge of that. And I, I hope to get people to, especially when I'm working with them one-on-one, to realize that there isn't anything in your life that you yourself aren't manifesting, and that's a big pill for some people to swallow, Mm -hmm. because it's a really complete wholesale shift in how you view your life. You don't have any problems that you yourself have not fully manifested, whether you recognize it or not. That's, you know, like... The bad news is you're the problem. The good news is you're the solution. (laughs) Right. (laughs) My spiritual coach, you know, he's just always bringing it back to me. You know, like I got fired from a little part-time job that I had yesterday. And I was like really disappointed about it because I truly enjoyed it. That's why I worked at a part-time job. Like my house is paid off my truck. I don't, I don't need the, you know, this little job, but I really enjoyed the people. I like being there. Like it was super fun. So when they dissolved my position, like it was super kind of painful. Yeah, And so, you know, I went back to my coach. And by the way, if you don't have a coach, you need a coach in anything you try and do. Mm-hmm. You're not going to sit down to the piano, right, and figure it out on your own. Well, you could, but how much Something longer again. is it going to take you as opposed to hiring a teacher and having them show you the proper techniques for playing the piano,
0: right?
1: right. It's like that in anything, including your spiritual journey. Find yourself your teacher, And that can be anybody. But the thing is, it can only be self-subscribed. Like you have to find the person in your soul that speaks to you on that level. My teacher is a man named Frank Paris. He is in Palm Springs. If you know of anybody who's ever energetically stuck, have them talk to either him or me or anything else like this. Because the way that he's really taught me to view the world is that, you know, you don't have any problems. You're just not very good at manifesting yet. (laughs) yeah right and he keeps bringing it back to you and see the difference and this is what i really learned through the spiritual practice of you know personal evolution through shamanism is it really all comes back to you we forget how powerful we are in affecting the world and we think the world is is happening to us when in fact we're happening to the world Mm -hmm. A really powerful person, when they walk in the room, they aren't being affected by the room, they're affecting the room. Mm. That's where personal power lives, right? And it's all self-prescribed, right? So uh, whenever I'm working with someone and I try and get them to that place of, okay, you know, you don't have any problems. You're just not very good at manifesting yet. Like, let's take a look at that. Why, Why is this here in your life? Why have you called this into being? right? It's kind of like the perfect What's game the lesson thing. here. Yeah, exactly. Like, why is this perfect? It's here. You know, like why? It, 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 it Because again, like all the awful stuff in my life has brought me to a better place. And whether that's dystonia or whatever, like, look at how grateful I am for having found it, worked with it and found its gems. But it's in doing that work that you know, a lot of people just aren't willing to do. So if you don't want to, or you don't know how to do it, you know, hopefully someone can read my books and follow the step-by-steps like, Oh, this is how we evolve as a spirit.
0: Mm-hmm. So one of your books is called foreign to me. The other one is called Uh devil's deals. So we have uh book one and two in the trilogy.
1: The first one is foreign to me. And the second one is called broken like me, which really deals with a lot of my religious upbringing and okay. escaping that whole ideology. Um, so that's, the third book will be out in the next uh, few months. And then I have um, a series. So that's the trilogy. And then I have the series, which is loosely based on the life of Nikolai Tesla, uh, but it's told from the perspective of his secret lover, uh, Melvin Vaughn. <laughs> and so the two of them is a couple, right? And they uh, they uh, then get separated because uh, you know, Nikolai Tesla has to go to America. And so it actually really, the story follows his life in a historical fiction kind of way. The Melvin's left back in pre-Nazi Austria, where they start, you know, as they did back in the day, lobotomizing queer individuals yeah. for existence. Right. And so it's him running around It's Melvin being left in pre-Nazi Austria, running around trying to save all these kids from being lobotomized. But then he has to kind of turn them into really powerful shamanic practitioners and warriors. Right. And okay. so this is where the it's kind of like Harry Potter, but for queer kids and shamanism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into that. I'm into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but it, it's the actual lessons of shamanism. I'm not just talking about magic, I'm teaching magic, the magic of shamanism, the, the wisdom of you know the elders and ancestors, you know, who lived on this land before we did. Um and then in book three, it, it becomes even more heady, like because it really is like, well, where does the warrior live? And it's all based off of the quote that it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war, right? Mm -hmm. So this book is called Where the Warrior Lives, which is, of course, in the mind. And then the last book is Christian's Rapture, because I wanted to really kind of play with the, you know, Christian rapture idea, but Christian is one of the main characters, and it is discovered that this individual is, um, you know, actually transgendered. Mm -hmm. And so it's an evolution of her, in a boy's body in 1886 and what that was like and that whole story. So the book four is called Christian's
0: Rapture and it's a story of her um, story living through those times. That is so brilliant. And another interesting thing is, you know you're doing what the shamans did, which is storytelling. Yeah. And it's that's what I think is most kind of mind boggling right now is how kind of full circle the, all the stuff is like intertwined, you know. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, no, because I mean, a lot of people don't understand the full definition of what is a shaman, a shaman is the doctor of the soul. Yeah, but then it calls into well what's the soul the soul is the energy it is the part you can't see when you open the body yet it is the part that makes the body work right it's the things that makes hearts beats for an entire lifetime without question you know it, it's that source that power that we are the doctor of which ultimately if you really break it down is just energy work
0: right mm-hmm. i did want to ask you about conversion therapy which is a run of running theme in like I think several of your books here, but you actually experienced it. And I don't think I've actually spoken to anybody that went through that. What was that experience like for you?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I I have this story that, that I tell and like, I didn't personally, so let, let me just tell you the story. And this is as far as it got. I, I didn't actually go through conversion therapy. It was more me having to kind of run for my life as you know, my mother's using phrases like, God is gonna get you. Um, you know, as I'm trying to, you know, escape not being institutionalized against my own will. Like I was terrified. I, I, I was, I was okay with me. They weren't, you know, and it was just that powerlessness of, and, and then just having to flee like your, your, your family home to not be institutionalized. Like how is any of this okay? Mm -hmm. Like the sickness upon sickness upon sickness is just, I mean, it's, it's unforgivable what faith communities have put the queer individuals through. It's unforgivable and there needs to be a reckoning. I have no more nice left on the subject, none, none. You operate with literature that, that identifies queer expression as an abomination in the eyes of God? Uh-uh, uh-uh, my marriage is holy. You come for that. You come anywhere near literature says that I shouldn't exist. And I do not suffer fools. I don't. There can be no more tolerance of that. How would we handle literature that said Black people shouldn't exist because they're an abomination in the eyes of God? How would we handle literature that said Jews shouldn't exist because they're an abomination in the eyes of God? It's insane to me. It's insane. And and we can no longer just be passive about it. Right. Tolerating bigotry is bigotry. Full stop. And I just I I, you know, and that's why my books take this subject on so clearly, because I I refuse to treat homophobia differently than we would treat, you know, racism or anti-Semitism. Like, we just can't have this third wheel of bigotry that's allowed to just drag behind the cart while the other two are, like, you know, fully being lifted up and supported. Where's our support? Where's our support from the Jewish community who uses literature that says we shouldn't exist? How do they reckon that? I want to know. Because they would not tolerate that being said about them.
0: Right, we should write a book and says that. That's <laughs> why I write. Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Start a religion. What... That's that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, well, this has been amazing. Let's jump into the next thing. Um, I want to read you a story. And I'm going to get your, this is something new I've been doing for the new season. So I'm asking my guests to um, get their reactions to stories that people send, or these ones are actually from Reddit. But if you have a story, please send it to me at at, uh, demetriowild at gmail.com. And you can also submit anonymously using the link tree in the description. So fill out the Google form and you can send it anonymously. And let me see if I can find it. Hold on. Where is it? Oh, Okay. Uh, do you want to do on a break or accidental straight sex? Accidental straight sex. Okay, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, a lesbian, had straight sex for the first time because of Halloween costumes. I went to a Halloween party and met a real cute girl there, or so I thought. She was dressed as a character called Venti, an actually male character, as I later found out. A little bit of gender bending there but she looked like a girl she sounded like a girl we hit it off and really and really well after the party and went back to my apartment we made out and i noticed something hard pushing into my crotch and thought it was a part of her costume until i put my hand into her pants and suddenly felt a dick <laughs> i was very confused and embarrassed at first and felt a little bit betrayed and we had such a good connection that i was in in uh i was a bit in heat at the time already in heat ew
1: (laughs) (laughs) i get it yeah
0: (laughs) so after some hesitation i decided to give it a chance and let him fuck me and honestly it was great we ended up fucking all night and the morning after until he had to leave i think i might call him again in the future what are your thoughts
1: Oh, honey, it's a spectrum. We are all fluid. Like, if it feels good, like, go for it. Like, I, I, It's so funny. I talk a lot about in my books about going to fuck school, you know, just being a sex worker, like you're just in a lot of different situations, like all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, you know, don't, don't limit yourself. Like there's, we're here first and foremost for the experience. And that includes the sexual experience. And don't ever forget that the more spiritual people become, the more sexual they often become the Tantra is one of the highest levels of consciousness because you can only get there once you've abandoned everything else. Right. And so like the, the people that I kind of hang out with, like I've watched them evolve as spirits and they, they are, you know, they lose the shame, they lose all the boxes, all the things we should be doing, all the things we shouldn't be doing. And when you have true freedom of choice, right. And you understand your own personal power, like, you know, there's nothing off the table. If it felt great and you you learned from it, you had an experience from it, you found out who you were more out of it. Amen. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, I. So I had one heterosexual experience with a friend of mine back in like high school. I want to say like 17 years old or something like that. We used to go and party at my, at my house. My mom always had the liquor in the cabinet. So we always got into it, filled it back up with water. And <laughs> this night we got into tequila and, um, and let me tell you, I have never been so fucked up in my life. I literally streaked through the, the, the streets naked Um, I had an, like, all my girlfriends were like making out and it was like me and like three girls. And I was like, what is happening in my, in my room right now? And then like my good friend at the time, like kind of beckoned me over and was like, I was like, okay, like, I'm just drunk enough to try this. And I, it just wasn't for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I love you. I'm just not, <laughs> I'm not there. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I actually ended up going and playing God of war instead. <laughs> Drunk. There you go. But again, like I, you know, I tried it. It was, it was a thing. I realized in that moment, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Some people, they have an easier time. They're a little bit more fluid and, it it's- yeah, it just
1: depends where you land on the spectrum like you, you know like how straight how gay are you and i think that just through our lives we're in a constant exploration of that as it's constantly shifting, as you're constantly learning more about yourself, you know, it's so interesting. Um, yeah. I had a couple of straight experiences myself when I, even before I came, I just had so much religious guilt, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I mean, I came from that family. We worked for the Billy Graham crusade. Like that's what I did in my time off, you know, was the kind of,
0: you know, upbringing that I had. Yeah. So, what but- I find interesting about the story too, is that how, how gender also plays a role and how like kind of easily it's like not a thing because this yeah. this uh heterosexual male person who looked was <laughs> looked androgynous was dressed as a male character but still seemed as a female to a lesbian like right. like there's just so many layers on top of this and it's like what <laughs> like yeah. 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 No, off offhand, it's just like, how did you not know? But at the same time, it's like, oh, because gender is not a thing. It's it's like literally a made up thing. Everyone's a little. I mean, there's people that are just completely in the middle somewhere. Yeah. But to fool a lesbian into thinking that you're a woman, yeah, you know, dressed as a man, like what? <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Okay, so last uh next thing I will say is now is the time of the story. Now is the time of the episode where I asked my guests to share their hookup horror story. Yes, so I have two.
1: I <laughs> the, I mean, they, they weren't co- I've, I've certainly heard of worse, but they were certainly bad enough for me. And the first one was like, I was talking to this guy online for a while. And this was probably back. Gosh, it was, uh, it was, when I was in Vegas. This was early 2000s. Right. So there wasn't really FaceTime or anything like that. But I was still talking to him through a computer. Right. And we had been talking for a while. Didn't think anything about it. I was—he seemed, you know, interesting, nice, and and whatever else. And you know, I seen a picture of him, whatever. So he he wants to meet, and I'm like, okay, great, yeah, let's let's do that. And he says, why don't we meet at Arby's? Uh, uh, no,
0: uh, <laughs> and, and we're gonna. Do that
1: we're, we're gonna meet at Arby's okay cool you know again like I'm not one to judge if they hey that's your life and you want to teach me how you know you work Arby's like let's go work Arby's okay let's go do it uh, <laughs> but you know it just wasn't really necessarily what I was into anyhow I, I I meet him at Arby's and the first thing he says out of his mouth is how and I'm like oh hi oh. um and, and that was my first indication that something might here might be off. And so I talked to him a little bit more, and it, of course it was easily identifiable. He's deaf. Mm-hmm. Like there was no getting like meeting him in person. He's a deaf person. Like there's no getting from from the way he articulated because he clearly learned how to speak. You know later, um, but. And it wasn't a big deal that he was deaf. I I would happily date a deaf individual. But it was the fact that he, through all this time of us communicating and talking, that he never once mentioned the fact that he was deaf. Like, you might want to, like, at some point put that... Or maybe he thought that... Um, like if he could just like meet me in person, Meg, I could get over that. I'm not sure what it was, but it was super awkward. And it felt like he just wasn't being honest with me, which was more of the the issue. You know, even the Arby's thing, you know, I I can kind of, you know, get over whatever. If that's your thing, we can go do that.
0: Arby's.
1: Or even the deaf thing, like I would, I would have no problem dating a deaf individual, but I'm not going to, date somebody who's dishonest right like that's where it kind of fell apart for me so like that was that was super awkward and it was just not a situation i ever wanted to be in but uh, the other one i have another horror story yeah that's actually far worse
0: (laughs) (laughs) i i did date a, a deaf person at one point we dated for a little while he was a very sweet guy um but yeah i also went to go hook up with somebody one time there's a thing called informed consent which i think is uh kind of a hot topic and stuff and so like you know let people know you know the things about you that they should know before they meet you. Right. Um, uh, I did. Um. Went to go hook up with a guy one time off of Grinder, and I went to his his house. And when he opened the door, he was in a wheelchair, and yeah. he, he had a colostomy bag. <laughs> it kind of felt somewhat similar yes yeah so i was like um well this was that you know this was a, not what i expected you know and uh-huh. also he was like very attractive I, I will say he was a very attractive person and the uh-huh. pictures that he sent were only like waist up
1: yeah. you know but it's it's funny interesting having gone through dystonia and having been having lived the life of being severely handicapped myself now you know and, and, and when it was at its worst, um, like I had this one time where like, I have this t-shirt that my niece gave me that I love. And it says, I am awesome. <laughs> oh, so no. I happened to be wearing that t-shirt and normally like I'm a big strapping guy, you know, who looks like they can, you know, you know, beat you in CrossFit. Right. Like mm-hmm. I just, <laughs> you know, I, I look okay. Um, however on this particular day when i was wearing my i am awesome t-shirt and i had a full-blown dystonic attack in a public place people thought i was like severely special needs because like yeah my brain was shutting down right like it because i was having a neurological storm in a public place and i was hardly able to articulate what was happening and people are trying so they, they they I thought I was like, you know, special needs with my "I am awesome" t-shirt on. <laughs> I was like, oh wow, this is a really interesting experience to be handled and cared for by strangers who don't know that I like. Give me a few hours, I'll be okay. Like yeah. they they thought I was, you know, permanently like and seriously disabled. And so it was really interesting um, to be kind of like on the other side of that. It gave me so much more. And again, like dystonia has only brought good things into my life. Mm-hmm. The level of compassion that I have for people who live on the other side of okay. Like mm-hmm. I get that, you know, because I, I lived, I lived a life um, where I was, I I mean, I, I had to be home most of the time I was not well enough to leave the house. You know, I was, I was, I had my walker and I could get around, but you know, it was, it was really bad. Um, and it wasn't really until I abandoned Western medicine and started finding solutions for myself that I started to get better. But I had to take that care and that responsibility on my own shoulders. I couldn't leave it up to the doctors or anybody else. I was gonna, I was determined to go after and find out what was wrong with me.
0: Yeah, definitely. What was your next story? Oh all
1: right <laughs> again this was still fairly early on in the internet and whatever and I've been talking to this guy and we've been you know whatever else and we were like really into each other and I was like okay awesome and uh he lived in Denver at the time and so I I don't know why but I got on a plane and I went to Denver oh no I met this person
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why do people do this? Why do people think it's okay to like go like hop on a plane for some dick? No, oh my no. God. No, <laughs> Because
1: like, and I hadn't even set it up where I was going to get a hotel and we would meet and go for a show or something. No, like stupid. Like I was just going to go and hang out. But like, again, like. The one that stu- you know,
0: it that would be okay for, but not just Narando. <laughs>
1: He's <laughs> not okay. I, I, as soon as, as soon as the second I met him, I'm like, okay, this is never going to work. You know what I mean? Like, I was just not into it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyhow, it was a very, very, very awkward, um, few days of, yeah, him. What
0: happened? To-
1: well, he, he was into it. I wasn't into it. And, uh, so boy. it was, I ended up staying at his house, but in a different room.
0: We kind of just hung out. And then I was like, uh, it was super embarrassing and awkward. And I couldn't wait oh, to get in there. boy um yeah if you're ever finding yourself in those situations find your way out (laughs) (laughs) until your plane leaves the next yeah
1: exactly oh my goodness always have a plan b seriously if you ever go into another city like there's got to be a plan b even if it's just a hotel reservation
0: a a plan b or a um escape plan (laughs) oh my goodness okay dale last but not least what I want to do with you is I want to play a game with you. All right. All right. You're probably familiar. This is red flags. Uh-huh. I don't think I have to explain what it is to you. Right. Um. All right. Number one, they have a form of OCD where they have to touch anything phallic 10 times before leaving the house. Uh, am I involved in what they're touching? Sure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um that is not a red flag for me because living with the situation I do I, I it, it kind of has some of that crossover it's ticks it's like all of that whole world so I get it and so long as you know they're being proactive about the care because you know you can you know train yourself to get over some of these things not always but anyways so that yeah. wouldn't be a red flag necessarily for me
0: yeah, what's interesting so I I have a story. Um I had like a mild form of OCD or something when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um undiagnosed obviously, but um I had I I would have tics. I had like a cough that I would do and I had um, a counting thing, and I had like I couldn't eat things in like odd numbers. Um a couple other things I would do. Or I touched the ear to the to the shoulder like like this. Um so the vampires wouldn't get me, I, you know, whatever. But one day I had a uh, kind of a, a spout of like the coughing thing and I couldn't stop it. And my grandmother at the time, who I was actually a little afraid of <laughs> in general, cause she's uh, quite strict. Um, but uh, she, you know, I, I had this little fit um, of coughing when she was there and, and she just like slammed her hand down on the men- on the counter. And then she's like, you knocked that off. And I never did it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you scared it right out of you she scared it right out of me so yeah there is ways of like of you know i guess maybe that was my way but i mean there's ways of training yourself out of out of something there there is yeah number two they have a cowboy hat or they wear a cowboy hat uh, i'm down where are we going <laughs> <laughs> boot scootin boogie <laughs> Number three, they own a Joan Rivers Chia pet and they talk to it. Oh, red flag. <laughs> Why? <laughs> that crosses the line for me. <laughs> but it's Joan Rivers. They're
1: <laughs> Talking to it as an adult.
0: <laughs> what if they have like all of her like, you know, one-liners or whatever and memorized and they just give them to the to the chia pet. Never mind. I don't know. It's stupid. <laughs> it's just so stupid. I'd be like, oh, that's kind of a cute quirk, I guess. <laughs> I don't think it would be a red flag for me. Uh, number four, they have a bidet. Oh, okay. That's not a red flag, no. I love a bidet. I love my fucking bidet. <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the world. Um, Last but not least, do they have a split tongue? Oh. Hmm. 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 hmm.
1: I, I, I honestly don't know how I would handle that, to be honest. How about you?
0: um so i have seen a a pornographic film where there was a, a gentleman with a split tongue and tattoos giving a blowjob to a man and it was so uh erotic <laughs> and i had never been like oh i'm into that until that moment and i was like oh no that's kind of hot <laughs> Well, it's like they say, you know, sexy is not a shape, it's a vibe. It's a
1: vibe, yeah. And it really just depends, like, it's not what you got, it's what you're you know, how you're working it, you know. Like it sometimes it just depends on the moment, the setting, the scenario, the energy. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: Okay, Dale, this has been so much fun. Is there anything you wanted to promote?
1: Oh, well, certainly my books. So if you have any interest in learning about shamanism, because so many people in the world, they only know about the G- Judeo-Christian kind of religions, right? And that was part of especially me having such a, you know, heavily abusive um background in those religions, I needed to find something for myself that checked all my boxes spiritually, you know, but I I just didn't know what it was. And you really can like discover that for yourself through shamanism. So if you're all like interested in learning about, you know, higher levels of consciousness and the things that we do um, to evolve our spirits and souls in shamanism, I really use my books as a way to not only tell a great story, but helpfully to help people learn and evolve or what they can do for themselves to live a more congruent and happy life so all of my books are on amazon and you can just look up my name dale allen rouse that's r-o-w-s-e and if you uh, look up my name my books will come right up or you can just go just go to my website which is daleallenrouse.com that's d-a-l-e-a-l-l-e-n-r-o-w-s-e.com
0: amazing you find your social media
1: yeah, everything's at Dale Allen rose Whether it's TikTok, Instagram, whatever else, uh, and you can book me if you want to like learn more just one on one. I am available for like mentorships and you know that kind of stuff as well uh, through
0: my website. Amazing. Well, you will find all those descri- uh, links in the description down below. Dale, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you to my guest for joining me in this week's episode. Be sure to check the episode description for all of their information. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave a comment and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help out the show. Send me your horrible hookups, your dating disasters, and your spicy questions to hookuphorrorstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to my YouTube channel for video versions of this show and a ton of other cool content. My blogs, The Deviant Diaries, and A Deviant Sky kind to of Sex can be found on my website at DimitriWild.com. Support my work and get early access to my videos, podcast episodes, and exclusive content, check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash Also, follow me on Instagram, I am at DimitriWild underscore. Oh yeah, and one last thing, thank you for listening, and stay deviant. Remember, subscribing might not be worth it, but it's also not optional, so just do it.